You're listening to the smartest guys in marketing, the best show on the planet for client businesses to learn about traffic, funnels, sales, conversions, and marketing coolness. Chris and Taylor are the founders of Traffic and Funnels, a digital marketing consultancy helping you get paid clients from cold traffic daily. Now, here are your hosts, Chris and Taylor. Hope you guys are doing well. Talking about something awesome today. Mindset is like the number one drug that you can take to achieve optimal high performance on an ongoing basis. People don't lose because of Facebook. I know it sounds like they do. People don't lose because tactics go out of style. People lose because the way that they think breaks. Like a car, if your engine breaks down and you never fix it, you're going to continue to be stuck in a suboptimal, lower performance engine than if you would just take it and get it fixed. And the beautiful thing about mindset is a lot of times you can actually preventatively take care of it. It's like some people are just like, man, you wouldn't drive a car and never change the oil in it and wait for your car to explode. But so many people are trying to build a business and they're trying to achieve things, but they're not really taking care of the components that produce growth. The way you think about yourself, the way you think about your business, all of the above. So mindset, this is like an amazing vitamin that you can just stock up on. All right, cool. So today, the title for today is, I'm going to actually tell it to you early and then I'm going to backtrack. Winning requires losing. The title of today, Winning Requires Losing. And don't get depressed because I'm actually going to explain it to you in a way that makes sense. I have observed, Chris has observed, that the most dangerous emotion a high performer can experience is fear. Fear. Now, we've talked a lot about dangerous things. We've talked about ego, um, which comes from pride. We've talked about boredom and apathy and a bunch of different things, but Fear is unique in that fear is actually not an issue of whether you have fear or don't have fear. The issue here is whether you view fear the right way. Okay. So there's a great book and I actually don't recommend this book to many people because it will confuse you. If you're not willing to like sit for hours pondering like the existential nature of life, (laughs) it's probably going to stress you out. But this book is called Power Versus Force, and it's about energy and kinesthetics. And there are ways now that we can measure thoughts on a machine. Like we can literally scale, like graphically scale out your thoughts. You sit down and we can actually graph what energy is coming from your brain and see on a graph, here's what kind of thoughts you're thinking. You know, this person's thinking fear. This person's thinking pride. This person is thinking love or this person is thinking whatever. And it's amazing breakthrough that we can even do that to begin with. But the implications are way more serious. And, um, you know, as a kid, I may have told you guys this before, but I had, I have three uncles who are chiropractors. So growing up, I was always in the chiro's office I was always getting adjusted. Now, one uncle in particular, his name was Uncle Lonnie, who would always like freak me out. And as a kid, being like a little a little boy, he'd have me come into the office and he'd make me hold my arm up. And some of you, you know, health gurus in here are going to know what I'm talking about. But he would have me hold my arm up, and then he would push it down over and over. And then he would have someone come into the office, and they would touch my shoulder, and 
see if I could hold my arm up and he would try to push it down and he wouldn't be able to push it down. And I always saw he was playing and like tricking me because I was like, you know, there's, there's no way that like I'm getting strength from this person touching my shoulder. And, uh, I remember like I would get really mad because I would like, he wouldn't explain it to me. He would just be like, yeah, it's because you're getting energy. And I was like, you're a liar, uncle Lonnie resident liar. But in studying this, what I found is that this is actually the real deal. Like, uh, energy is transferable and it's amazing. Just if we stopped right there, like if we just stopped right there and it was like, Oh, you can transfer energy physically. That'd be like, Holy shit. That's crazy. But what's really, really freaky is we can actually do the same thing today. Like, but with what you're thinking about, you can go into a room and be like, put your arm out in front and think of your children who you love and adore and nobody will be able to push your arm down. And they're like, okay, think of the last time you were afraid. Phew, push your arm right down to the ground. Energy is not just transferable from other people. It's actually transferable from just the actual cause and effect of what your brain is thinking about. So there's this, um, there's a scale that they use and it's a scale of one to 1,000, I believe. And I'm going to get some of these facts wrong. So if you have power versus force, like right in front of you, don't yell at me. Just going off of memory here. But it's one to 1,000. And everything below like 175 or 160 or something, they say it's not conducive to life. Your muscles slow down. Reaction times decrease. Your body, your body literally turns against you. And uh, like I said, I don't remember the exact number, but it's like 135 or something. You know, they can basically like hook up a machine to an athlete and they can have them, they can, they call it priming. They can prime that athlete with positive thoughts and the athlete will run, you know, a 3.7 and then they'll prime that athlete with negative thoughts and that athlete will run like 4.4 and it actually slows your body down. And they're actually, if you get low enough on the scale, then your body will actually like turn against you and, and it, it's harmful stimuli. We're going deep today. If you look at successful people today, one of the things that the parent, you study Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Titans, people who are literally at the pinnacle, they're at the peak, they are wise beyond wise. They seem to control the cause and effect of their own life and their business. What's what you kind of notice is that they seem to be almost fearless. They seem to be almost fearless. And a lot of times there are people who are like, no, nah, they're afraid. You're going to be afraid. Just do it anyways. And I used to think this too, but after getting deep into this and studying these things, I actually think it's less of like, Oh, you're going to be afraid. Do it anyways. And it's more of a like, what does fear mean to you? And having the ability to reframe what fear actually means to you. Because we know that emotions are emotions. And that, for example, if you go into it, you know, apathy. I think apathy is like number, it's like a 15 or something really low. Apathy is literally like the absence of caring about anything. It's never going to be conducive to growth. And fear is down there too. Pride is down there too. 
You've got anger that's a little bit higher because if you're angry, at least you want to take control. Anger isn't quite as bad as apathy. But when it comes to fear, we have very good reasons for the emotion. The emotion is very, very important. And if you actually go into look at the depth of the you know, dictionary definition, fear just means that there's a belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain. Fear is the belief that someone or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain. But here's the thing. Let me ask you a question. Time to get some questions answered. If you're sitting outside your house and your house is burning down, there's fire everywhere. Does the idea of running into that house so that you can save your furniture, does that make any sense? Who is going to do that? There's a 70% chance I'm going to die right now, but I'm going to at least save the furniture. Who's down with that? Nobody. Like this is an example of like, okay, fear is doing its job. It is saving my life. I'm not going to go into the freaking house for furniture. Boom. Fear is a good emotion. It has helped you. Second scenario, house is burning down and your youngest child is in the house. Who's going to run into that house to save your baby? Same fear, but that fear has been outranked by a greater emotion. This is what people don't understand is there is a hierarchy to the emotions that you experience in life. And the reason people fail and the reason some people win is because their order of priorities is different. The fear of getting burned has been outranked by a far greater motivator. And the thing about fear is that fear served the human race very well. Like I just said, you know, in scenario number one, you're not going to run into the house because like, duh, like who cares about the furniture? Buy some new furniture. You're not going to, you know, thousands of years ago, if we didn't feel fear, fear, we're like, we would have gotten ourselves killed. We would have run into a lake filled with snakes. We would have gotten eaten by a freaking saber toothed tiger. Fear induces fight or flight, parasympathetic and sympathetic uh, responses. It makes you cautious. When you cross territory that may be controlled by like an enemy or you could die if they catch you. If you, you know, are sleeping, you wake up right before a tiger jumps on you. But today our brains haven't quite evolved out of that same fear-based self-preservation instinct. I was just on a call with somebody who's in CK and it's like, y'all, fear is ruining your life. You're making decisions based on fear and fear that you'll run out of money, fear that you know, people won't want your new product, fear that you'll have to go back to an old job that you didn't like, fear of this, fear of that. But you guys aren't fearful that you won't ever hit your full potential. You never talked about that. You're not fearful that you'll get to the end of your life and you'll realize that you didn't take the risks necessary to truly win. You see, there's a hierarchy to fear and the people at the top, they've prioritized that hierarchy correctly. Like the difference between getting told, no, I don't want to buy your product and getting eaten alive by like a wild bear is pretty big difference. But our brains are interpreting both of those things as threats and they treat them the same way. And so what does fear do? It causes people to retreat when they should advance. It causes people to hop out of environments that have empowered them because they don't want to lose money. It causes people to not make offers because they don't want to get told no. It causes people to lose. So I did tell you half of the title for today. 
I didn't tell you the whole title. Winning requires losing. That's the first half. The second half is fear of loss is greater than loss. Fear of loss is greater than loss. Winning requires losing. Fear of loss is greater than loss. That's my intro. Let's hop into it. I made a post yesterday that I have zero need for approval in any area of my life. There's something crazy that happens when you are more afraid of settling than you are of losing. I don't know how else to put that. Like there's something that, that empowering that happens when you're no longer afraid that people won't like you. That's not your fear anymore. Now you're afraid that you won't hit your full potential. The only thing that you should fear in your life, the only thing that you should allow any type of concern for in your life is that you'll meet the person you could have been at the end of your life and that person will look totally different than you. You'll be introduced with the person that you could have been and you'll be introduced with the stories of the people you could have helped knowing that, well, 20 years ago, you didn't take that risk because you were afraid and you never hit that. To me, I'm terrified of that. Like, not in a place where it holds me down, but I'm constantly thinking about, like, is the behavior that I'm exhibiting now in line with the impact that I want to make later? What's the last thing that you had a little bit of fear around? I'll be really honest. Like, I'm not perfect at this. And there are plenty of times when me and Chris will, you know, succumb to fear in different areas. And uh, especially when we were first starting out, because it's like we would hit a record and then we would just be like, well, what if we can't do that again? Just constant nagging of like, well, what if the economy tanks or what if this happens or what if that happens? And it wasn't until like we, we actually, ironically, we spent 120 grand uh, working with a mentor and we were afraid that we weren't going to get that money back to you. I'm just being honest with you guys, you know, we're not perfect, but we're pretty self-aware and we recognize when we're off base. And I remember Jay being like, you guys realize that you're not going to go bankrupt, right? And we were like, uh, no, <laughs> we don't. And he looked at us like we were literally morons because it was such a silly fear. And he said, if you constantly fear that, then you're probably going to create it. And we were like, well, shit. Here's the thing. Fear, if you look at cause and effect, fear is actually the cause in most cases. Being afraid of something typically put us into a position where we create a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The girl who grows up and says, I never want to be like my mother, what does she do? Turns into her mother. The person who's always afraid of getting sick, they're always sick. The person who's like so terrified their business is never going to work out. They never get their business to work out. Like fear is one of the worst causation devices that if undealt with it will literally cause your worst nightmares to come true. And whenever you put all your focus into something, you'll notice growth. Here's the thing. I remember being in a church service it was a long time ago, and the preacher was talking about growth, and he said, healthy things grow, healthy things grow, healthy things grow. And me being the like rebellious little terror that I am, or I can be, I was like, so does cancer. Cancer grows. So do weeds. Nobody likes weeds. Growth isn't the goal. Growth can't be the only goal. Health has to be the goal. Healthy growth. When you put your focus into something, 
you're going to notice growth, both positive growth and negative growth. And if you begin to put your focus and your resources on, I hope I don't go bankrupt. Well, shoot, guess what's going to happen? The chances of that happening are going to grow. If you put all your thoughts into, you know, I'm really afraid that I'm going to get a refund. You're literally projecting and creating growth out of fear. This is why fear is so messed up because when you're afraid of something, you cause it to come true. In most cases, in most cases, growth isn't the goal. Health is the goal. And fear tends to be the antithesis of help. I'm not saying that you should just throw caution to the wind and literally just go jump off the nearest building because, hey, I'm not afraid anymore. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. That's silly. That would be reverting back to a childlike way of thinking. I'm just saying that I've observed so many people are afraid of losing. And the richest people in the world, the most successful people in the world, the people who have their shit together, they reframed it as losing is actually the cost that I pay to win. Losing is the cost that I pay to win. You're going to face significant losses as well as significant triumphs. But here's the kicker. How you deal with losing determines how long it's going to be until you win again. Write it down. Take it to the bank. This is legit. How you deal with losing determines how long it's going to be until you experience winning again. If you're constantly afraid of losing and you're constantly afraid of getting told no and you're constantly afraid of losing money, you're constantly afraid of the things that you don't want, you're going to get stuck in a perpetual wheel where that's all you experience over and over and over. It's just the truth. How you deal with losing determines how long it's going to be until you experience winning. If you're going to be afraid, because all of us experience a little bit of fear from time to time, if you're going to have any fear, be afraid of playing halfway. Be afraid of not playing all out and be afraid of meeting that person at the end of your life. That was your potential that you never achieved because you were afraid. Be afraid of that. Winning requires losing. Three things to know about fear. It's going to be a little shorter today. Hopefully this has been helpful to you guys. There's a reason that me and Chris are like less than three years into this business. And uh, people are like, man, how'd you guys go from zero to 700K in a month in less than three years? It's because we're afraid of the right things. There's a hierarchy of fear. And our priorities are structured properly. I'm not afraid of losing money on Facebook ads. I'm not afraid of someone telling me no. I'm not afraid of offending anybody. I am only afraid that somebody will need me and I'll be operating out of fear and they'll never get the help that they needed. I'm afraid that I won't be the person that's in my morning formula in five years. Somebody say, be afraid of the right things. Check this out. I'm going to read this quote real fast. Then I'm going to go into, um, I'm going to go into three learning lessons about fear. And then we'll wrap up for the day. You guys can get back to work. All right. Kinesiology. Through kinesiology, we can demonstrate that if one is motivated by any of the energy fields below courage, remember earlier we talked about priming, priming the athlete. If someone is motivated by any of the energy fields below courage, one goes weak. The notorious Achilles heel that brings down not just athletes, but also the potentially great in all areas of human achievement is pride. Pride is calibrated at 175. 175 out of 1 to 1,000. Not only does pride make the performer go weak, 
but it cannot provide the motivational power of love, honor, or dedication to a higher principle or even to excellence itself. If we ask a powerful athlete to hold in mind the hope of defeating his opponent or becoming a star or making a lot of money or becoming famous, we will see that his body becomes weak and we can put down his trained muscular arm with minimal effort. The very same athlete holding in mind the honor of his country, the honor of his sport, the dedication of his performance to someone he loves, or even the sheer joy of maximum effort for the sake of excellence itself goes powerfully strong and we cannot push his arm down even with the greatest effort. Thus, the competitor who is motivated by pride or greed or interested primarily in defeating an opponent will go weak the moment the gun starts. He will be unable to achieve the maximum continued effort necessary for great achievements. At times, we see athletes start badly for such reasons, but as the contest progresses and selfish goals are forgotten, we see an improvement in his performance. We also see the opposite happen. Do you guys see what this means? This is the reason that a dedication to your clients is the most important motivation for you to do what you're doing. We talk about torque. We talk about perseverance. All of it comes from having the right motivators from the very beginning. Just thought I'd read that to you. It's a really good book. You can pick it up. All right. Three things about fear. Number one, doing it afraid is only half the battle. You've heard it all the time. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. That's only half the battle. It's only 50%. If you don't do the last half, which is reframing that fear as a normal, trivial emotion indicating excitement and energy, then you'll actually repeat the emotion. So one of the things I like to do is when I feel nervous or fearful or I'm feeling those things, I reframe it quickly as energy. It's just energy. It's just energy and excitement. It's just energy. And it's one of those things to think about is like, if you're doing something massive, then a little amount of fear is something that a normal human is going to experience. And it's because your body, you know, your mind's trying to make sure that you don't die. You're not tumbling off a cliff, but you got to be able to reframe it as normal energy. Number two, reframe quickly and focus on the desired outcome. Force your mind to exert focus on getting what you want, not avoiding what you don't want. Force your mind to focus on getting what you want not avoiding what you don't want. This is why I think, quote, getting out of debt is just not that great of a goal. If I take two people, both of them are in $140,000 in debt, and one person has a goal to get out of debt, and the other person has a goal to reach a million people with an empowering message and therefore make a million dollars, who do you think is going to get out of debt faster? Person one or person two? Force your mind to exert its focus on getting what you want, not avoiding what you don't want. Number three, this one's really important. Create a cocoon and don't allow toxic people inside. One of the things that I don't have time to get into, but if you read the book Power Versus Force, he talks about is that this energy is transferable through the mind of the people around you. We have what's called mirror neurons that actually track the movements of other people and attempt to mirror in our own bodies. This is why there are cases of some people will see someone get hit and they'll feel the pain in their own bodies, mirror neurons, you know, out of control. And what they found is that we have the same effects happening with thoughts. If you start hanging out with a bunch of people who are negative, a bunch of people who are depressed, 
bunch of people who are, you know, condescending. All of that stuff starts getting onto you. This is one of the biggest secrets. This is the one of the biggest secrets of every high performer is they have become ruthless about protecting their environment from toxicity and mediocrity. They've become ruthless about making sure that their environment stays filled up with people who think the way they think and are doing what they want to do. If you're going to control the output in your life, you have to control the input. There is no way you can control the output in your life without controlling the input. You're not going to eat pizza, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and control your output at the gym. You're going to feel like shit all the time. You're going to look horrible. It's the same way with the mind. The same with your environment. It's the same with your relationships. Control the input, control the output. That's all I got for today. 